Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 117. Cut it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who once had a lucid dream about having a lucid dream, Pat Flynn. What's up and welcome to session 117 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I'm definitely going to make it worth your while. Uh, and actually, it's not all going to be me. It's going to be our guest today, which is Dwight Peters, the founder of BackersHub.com, which was not his first company. Actually, Dwight and I have been contact or in contact with each other since 2012 when I first supported him in his first Kickstarter campaign. And we're going to talk all about that and why that actually failed and how we got to a point where he was actually sleeping on his friend's couch in San Francisco, and it got to really desperate times and how we turned that around to a very, very successful company now, backershub.com. Very inspirational story. Uh, Dwight is very open about everything that he went through and uh, how his business is going. And so let's just dive right into the interview. This is Dwight Peters, again, founder of backershub.com. I know you're gonna enjoy it. Uh, check it out. What's up, everybody? I'm really happy to welcome Dwight Peters to the show. Dwight, how are you today? Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks a lot, Pat. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm very happy today because we're going to be talking about how you took something that you heard in another episode of the SPI podcast and created something for yourself. And you are doing amazing things right now. We'll get into that. But just talk about really quick about who you are and what it is exactly that you do. Um, sure, man. Um, once again, I'm Dwight Peters, I guess. Uh, I'm from New York. Um, I'm the founder of Backers Hub. Backers Hub is a community of Kickstarter backers. What we do is weekly flash sales of Kickstarter-funded products exclusively for backers. So um, in order to be a member of our community, you have to be a backer. And every week we send out awesome um, newsletters that feature deals on Kickstarter-funded products and also alerts on early bird rewards from current campaigns. Nice. And where did this idea to create Backers Hub come from? 
Um, you know, it, it was a mixture of a lot of things, but um, I guess it started back last summer. Um, I was in school last year. I won the business plan competition at my school for another idea. Shout out to Baruch College here in New York. And um, I took my winning and I bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, I got on the plane. I came out to San Fran. I had a couple of buddies out here that allowed me to sleep on their couch. And the goal was just to keep building on the idea that helped me win the business plan competition. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, You know, I really couldn't get it to grow as quickly as I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And I was running out of cash. I was literally broke after a month and a half or so of being in San Francisco. It's pretty expensive out there. Yeah, um, definitely. (laughs) That's for sure. Right. So after a month and a half, I was out there and um, I had no money to get back. You know, like things were getting really, really tight and I had to figure out, okay, um, what am I going to do? And it was pretty cool in a way because that's exactly why I went out there. I wanted to put myself, as weird as it may sound, I wanted to put myself in a position where, um, you know... Your back's up against the wall, right? Yeah, it was just do or die, right? Mm -hmm. In a sense. So, um, yeah, so the idea for Backers Hub came from several places. Um, The competition that I participated in college that I won, I started a tech accessory brand called Crowdcases. We were selling custom iPhone and Samsung Galaxy cases on behalf of nonprofits. The idea was to partner up with nonprofits and create custom cases that represented their cause. Long story short, that wasn't working out, but what I did have was inventory of iPhone cases, blank iPhone cases that I could customize. Mm -hmm. And two years prior to that, I launched a Kickstarter campaign myself, so I knew, you know, I had a little bit of experience with Kickstarter and, you know, just brainstorming ideas. How can I make some quick money to buy a plane ticket? Um, I said, hey, what if I reach out to Kickstarter campaign creators and see if they wanted to offer custom iPhone cases or Samsung Galaxy cases as one of their rewards? And um, that got the conversation started. Um, you know, um, that's what started the process of Backers Hub. When I started Backers Hub, initially we wanted to help campaign creators with um, their reward manufacturing. If they wanted to make T-shirts or, you know, iPhone cases, Samsung Galaxy cases or posters, any auxiliary items that they wanted to offer as rewards. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we hope that we can actually uh, get that segment going. But um, what we ended up doing was really um, tapping into the pain point. And I guess that conversation starts when, um, you know, I listened to Carl Mattiola's um, interview that you had with him. And Carl started talking about, um, you know, really finding your client's pain point, what's keeping them up at night. And um, I had the opportunity of actually meeting up with Carl out in um, San Francisco after your interview. I reached out to him and um, we talked and he really broke that down for me. And yeah, I ended up going back to the campaign creators I were talking to because they weren't really biting on it. They were excited about it, but it wasn't really what was keeping them up. What was keeping them up was they wanted to get backers. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that, that's when Backers Hub truly, um, truly started. I knew that if I could help campaign creators get backers, get in front of backers, that we could definitely get something going. Nice. So for everybody out there listening, Carol Mattiola was featured in episode number 82, which you can see or get or listen to at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 82. Can you share some insight on what that conversation was like? How did Carl and his story help sort of guide you toward this direction? Um, man, the way how Carl start, you know, just listening to his podcast and I'm trying not to go off a tangent. I'm really, I really want to keep everything um, structured as possible, Thank but you. man, hearing Carl's story was really, I needed to hear that. Right. It was like at the perfect time because dude, when I say I was broke, I was broke. Right. And you know, uh, we don't do stuff for the money. We want to create value, but it was, a, it was a little bit of both because 
my pride was getting in the way too, right? Like I didn't want to come back to New York and not have something that was valuable, that people really loved, that people were excited to be a part of, and something that was actually generating revenue. And hearing Carl talk about what he learned in the foundation, um, you know, from Dane and other guys there of just, you know, creating a product aligned with what your clients want, it really helped. You know, it took out all of the guessing. Um, you know, it took out all the guessing. It took out all of the, you know, um, just thinking without really having a clear path. So, um, yeah, hearing that interview, and I, I reached out to Carl. After that interview, I sent Carl an email, a real email saying, hey, dude, I'm out here. Uh, I'm broke on my friend's couch. I would love to get a cup of coffee with you. Heard your interview on Pat Flynn. Would love to grab a cup of coffee and just chop it up with you and see what I can learn. And, um, yeah, man, he answered. Hey, Pat, you still there? Oh, yeah, sorry. I got cut off here for a sec. But it's okay. We keep those in because this is real stuff right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is, this is awesome, Dwight. Thank you so much. Now, when you say, you know, you learn to sort of get to the root of the pains of your target audience, how did you end up doing that? Did you actually have conversations with people starting Kickstarter campaigns? Yes. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I jumped in. And I guess, um, you know, when I was asking campaign creators about the iPhone cases, hey, would you like to offer this as a reward? You know, I thought it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, but I was getting a lukewarm response, right? Like it was, yeah, that's nice. What else can you offer? Mm -hmm. And I started saying, hey, if you guys need T-shirts, posters, we could do that. And then, um, you know, I guess listening to Carl's interview, it really taught me to instead of offering stuff, I should just ask. Like, what do you need, right? What keeps you up? What's scratch, you know, what's making you scratch your hair out at night? Mm -hmm. And um, the answer, you know, organically came. Like, these campaign creators, they only have 30 days, right? Or 45 days or whatever it is to reach their goals. So ultimately, that's what's keeping them up. They need to do everything possible to reach their goal. Everything else is secondary. Right, so instead of providing sort of the, you know, because these rewards for people who pledge on Kickstarter, that that might help get backers. Yeah. But it also might not. And you're just going, you're just skipping that and you're saying, okay, well, we what if we just had a bunch of backers? Yeah. So... And, yeah, yeah, keep keep going with the story. How did oh, what, yeah, what happened after that? So what we wanted to do was help campaign creators get on Kickstarter's newsletter. But uh, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with or if the audience is familiar with, um, Kickstarter sends out one weekly newsletter every week highlighting three campaigns. But what the thing is, the way how they go about picking those campaigns. And every day there are dozens of new campaigns. Every week there are hundreds of new campaigns on the platform. So to get on the newsletter is pretty darn hard. It's not impossible, but it's like winning the lottery, right? Mm -hmm. So you would do anything to get on the newsletter, but chances of you actually getting on the newsletter is totally up to the mercy of Kickstarter. So we realized that Kickstarter was doing something. They were promoting campaigns to their email list of backers. You know, we did some research. We realized that 60% of Kickstarter revenue comes from repeat backers. They understood the process. So we said, okay, if we can't get these guys on Kickstarter's newsletter, let's do the next best thing. Let's create our own newsletter with the same members of the community. Wow, that's very cool. And I can say I'm, I'm also a repeat backer. I've purchased several things on Kickstarter. Um, now, how do you go about doing something like that like you could just it's easy to say oh well let's get a list of backers that's <laughs> it, another thing to actually implement that what were your first steps yeah man our first steps were pretty brutal man um so let me say first thing that we wanted to do was quickly validate the idea right and by quickly validate an idea we wanted to make sure that we i, I say we it's my cousin and i mm -hmm. um 
we didn't want to waste our time. We didn't have money to waste. You know, funds were very limited and we didn't really want to waste time. So the first thing was get a paying customer. That was the first thing we did before we even started building a list. We say, look, we're going to see if we can find somebody that's actually willing to pull out their credit card and say, yes, do I, I think this is of um, a good enough idea that I'm willing to pay for it. So on October 16th, um, yeah, we got our first customer to actually say, hey, I would pay to be on a newsletter that goes out to backers. And, you know, we made sure that we set the right expectations with the first client. We offered a full money refund, but it wasn't to get the money. It was just to see, okay, is this something that people really, really want? Because people could say, yeah, I like your idea. I would definitely, you know, use it, but never pull out the credit card, right? That mm-hmm. always happened. But we wanted to get that in. So and, you, you actually got this person to pay? Yes, we got we got, we got got him to pay first. And then we said, okay, damn it, he paid. Crap. <laughs> now we, we got to do this. We got to build it. It's either we build it or we refund him the money, right? It's like, dude, we can't refund him the money. Like, we really need it. So, um, you know, the back, our back was to the wall again, but in a good way. Like, okay, somebody's willing to pay for it. Let's build it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, we, we tried different tactics. Um, we gave us ourselves enough space to start building up the list. We started small too. We set the right expectations. We told people look, in the beginning we'll promote you to a few hundred, and um, we did everything that we can to build up the list quickly as possible. What we, what I can say is, you know, I can't really go into all of the nicks and crannies. Right, that's your secret sauce, right? So you exactly, don't right? But I what I will it. say is that, um, you know, partnerships is very powerful, man. Um, you know, and giving value um, is definitely important. So, yeah, one of the things that have really been helping us a lot is the flash sales. Once we figured that out, like a light bulb went off in my head one day um, saying, hey, man, there's a lot of campaigns out there that backers probably missed out on. Me, myself, I'm a repeat backer. I backed over 35 campaigns, right? And there's a ton of campaigns that I missed out on, not because, um, for whatever reason, you know, sometimes I just didn't know that the campaign was actually live, right? Um, Kickstarter is so um, oversaturated with so many cool ideas. So I said to myself, I think it would be pretty cool if we could get backers that missed out on campaigns a close enough deal to the actual Kickstarter deal once it was live. And once we did that, that's when, you know, our, our list really started to grow. Wow. So you're, and if you don't want me saying this, so you, I can always edit it out, but you're creating deals with providers, people who start Kickstarter programs for people who may have missed the initial pledging yes. period. But for only backers, so you have to be a backer to get access to it. Right. Okay. Wow. That is so incredible. I mean, it's just, you know, it almost seems like something like that should have already existed, right? But (laughs) when, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit deeper thinking and even asking people like you did to understand what the solutions might be and then creating a platform to facilitate all that. Yeah, man. And, you know, we, we try to keep it as cool as possible. You know, we have a private Facebook group where the backers um, all engage, you know, most of them engage. Let me not say all of them. Some people, for some reason, don't like Facebook. But anyway, like we have over 2,600 backers in there. But it's a very highly active um, community where our backers are sharing other campaigns. They talk about their experience on Kickstarter. They share product reviews. So, you know, it's a community amongst itself that's really starting to grow. That is awesome. And I can imagine with that many backers... I mean, that's a big, powerful force right there. You could essentially, you know, in your position, just say, hey, everybody, let's back this together. And boom, that thing has already met its goal. 
Yeah, man, it's 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 pretty cool, man. You know, uh, we've been talking about that ourselves as well. You know, uh, what direction we want to take that in. But yeah, the the, the possibilities are definitely there. Um, we're constantly listening to the community itself. You know, making sure that everything that we do is aligned with what they want to participate in. But um, yeah, man, they truly appreciate it. Um, you know, we just try to keep. You know, we just serve as gatekeepers. That's what we tell right, ourselves. Right. Right. We're just facilitators. We're just moderators. We let the community uh, definitely lead itself. I was going to ask you, how do you make sure your promotions are in alignment with what the community does? And you've sort of answered that already, because I think that's really important. You know, obviously, you're going to get hit up a lot by people who want their products in front of your audience. Um, How do you how do you filter through what's good and what's not? Um, so we we sent out a weekly survey every week where backers could um you know for the deals specifically they could mention campaigns that they missed out on that they would like to get partake in. So if we notice like we're getting um the same campaigns getting mentioned, then we'll definitely reach out to that that product. And it works even better for us because now when we reach out to you know that manufacturer, or the product, or the campaign creator, or whatever they are. We could say, hey, look, guys, our community is asking for this, right? It's not like we're just saying, hey, we want to do a flash sale with you guys, but we could actually say, hey, look, um, a substantial amount of our backers are really interested in this. This is going to be awesome for you guys. That's incredible. They're as if they're saying, you know, you're being requested by everybody. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, who doesn't like to be vetted? Like, hey, dude, man, people are really asking about you guys. So, um, yeah. That is really smart. First of all, congratulations on the great idea and all the success, uh, the success so far. Talk about when you first launched. What what was that like? How were you feeling and how successful was it? Um, so October 16th is when we got the first sale. Um, I'll never forget that day because it's funny enough, I was watching another SPI interview, Noah Kagan, um, mm. his most recent one. And it was in the middle of the night. And um, but Noah in that interview said, whatever you're doing right now, right now take action right now you know if you're going to make a sale do it right now right now right now that's what he just kept saying over and over in that podcast yeah. and that's how i made the first sale um i was talking to a guy chris it was like 1 30 in the in the morning and chris and i we were going back and forth i was telling him, chris we're working on this new idea would you be interested and i kid you not pat it was literally when he asked me how much would i charge to be on a newsletter, it was literally 1.47 in the morning. And that is how much I told him because I didn't know. I had no Wait, experience. it was one, it was one forty-seven a.m. Yeah, and that, that, that is what determined your price. Because I, I did not know what to charge. <laughs> and I didn't know if he was going to say yes or no. So it was like, all right, uh, 147. And he was like, okay. And two minutes later, we had the PayPal in our account. Or two, two minutes later, we had the, the money in our PayPal account. Wow, that's super awesome. That's really funny, actually. So for those of you listening, Noah Kagan, episode 71, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 71. That was That is one of the most popular episodes that we've had the, so far. Um, and that's really funny. Do, if, if you could go back into time and tell yourself something that you wish you did differently, what would it be in regards to that, you know, initial uh, first time you sold something? Start quicker. Just I would have I would have I would have moved faster. Uh, but, you know, that's all in hindsight. And yeah. try not to overthink everything. You know, um, I don't have, I tell my friends all the time, you know, I joke around. I don't have that many talents. Right. Um, I don't code. I'm not a graphic designer. Um I'm not a copywriter. I'm like learning to write better copy, but there's one good thing I 
am at. And that's just connecting with people, right? If I want to connect with a person some way, somehow, I'm going to figure out how to connect the dots. And I should have just trusted myself more in that. You know, um, I figured out where to find possible customers. I should have just connected the dots from earlier and just mm. go, just run with it. But um, yeah. Absolutely. Now, in terms of the pricing and picking 147, mm-hmm. um, is there anything you wish you did differently in terms of that? Because I remember when I first got offered to do or to place banner ads on my site at Green Exam Academy for another company, mm-hmm. I was just caught with that question and I didn't know what to say. So I just said 50 bucks because that, <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of. And then the next month I experimented and I added 100 bucks to it and people were really quick to jump on that. 250 really quick, 350 really quick. So I definitely, because I wasn't prepared, I didn't, I didn't know what it was worth at the beginning and I just to- totally undersold myself. But it was nice to get that first sale. And, you know, when in that first sale, you're always just wanting that, right? And, and um, you know, there's a balance between wanting your first sale but making sure you are getting paid for the value that you're providing. Do you have any advice or is there anything you wish uh, you did differently with that? Um, yeah, man. Um, not nothing I wish I would have done differently, but everything was really a progression, right? Because um, this was all a learning experience for us. But I think Matt from your most recent podcast, he touched on it at the end of his interview when he talked about um, creating tears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had three different prices for it, right? So at first we started with 147 and then um, we got really creative on how other ways we could monetize what we were working with. And that's everything too. We weren't waiting to monetize. We were going to monetize this from the get-go. Like that's something that uh, we told ourselves, like, let's not wait. Let's not, you know, offer anything for free, whatever. Let's just monetize it, put as much value as possible in it and let people feel comfortable paying for it. But um, something that Matt touched on um, in your last podcast, creating tiers. Once we created tiers, um, we started off with 147, then we created another package for 297, and then we created another package for 497. And that's when sales really started to, um, really started to take off because we were giving people options. And not only were we giving them options, but we were giving them different levels of value. Right. And when you give people options too, you're creating different base levels. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and you see a wine list, right? You can, yeah. you, you see the cheapest wine and you see the most expensive wine and most people will uh, pick either the second most cheapest wine or the, the, the one that isn't the most expensive. I mean, there's different strategies when it comes to pricing. If you listen to the episode with Derek Halpern and also another one with Ramit Seti, we talk all about pricing structures yeah. and creating tiers and things like that, um, which can be helpful. And we could talk probably a whole hour about pricing. <laughs> but talk about how well it's doing now, if you don't mind sharing any numbers. I remember in your email, you mentioned a couple numbers that sort of blew me away. Yeah, man. So our newsletter is close to over ten thousand. We're growing every day, um, sales wise. We're doing a we're doing a nice five figures a month, which is really awesome, man. That's great, so, dude. A year ago, it's funny. I got a picture of my um, of my bank statement, Chase, off my Chase app, and I just have a picture of it in my phone. And you know, at one point, all I had was twenty seven cents in my bank account, man. It's like, whoa. You know, and now we've only been doing this for eight months and it's, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, your life could change in, in, in six months. Your life could change in a year, you know. So um, we're just trying to get bigger and better and uh, 
Um, you know, just continue to create more value, continue to help more entrepreneurs. That's how we look at our clients. You know, everybody that comes, whether we're doing the flash sales or we also have a segment where we promote new Kickstarter campaigns. We promote their early bird rewards. You know, these people are entrepreneurs, you know, so we mm-hmm. try to help them in every aspect. You know, um, we provide them more entrepreneurial tools besides just having a successful Kickstarter campaign, but simple stuff, you know, how to get better at copywriting, how to build your list, you know, how to reach out to journalists. Um, you know, it's kind of rewarding because um, this is what we love to do, man. We're entrepreneurs at heart and we want to help other entrepreneurs. That's awesome, Dwight. Dwight, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of that and inspiring all of us. Do you have any final tips for anybody who's looking to get started and probably take the same approach that you and Dane and Carl took when, you know, you're going out there, you're doing research, you're trying to find a pain or an issue in a particular niche. Do you have any advice for somebody who's starting to do that? Yeah, man. Um, start small, move quickly, but definitely ask whoever your client base is, um, what's keeping you up at night? You guys probably heard this time and time again, you, you guys and ladies out there. But yeah, ask them what's keeping you up. Uh, what would make your job easier? What's the number one thing on your priority list? Um, so monetize ASAP, you know, see if you could really get that first dollar. How quick can you get the first dollar? Not necessarily to make the dollar, but to see, you know, if there's really value there, are people really willing to pay for it? And, you know, it kind of incentivizes you to move faster now because you notice that there's possibly money on the table out there that you can get. Um, Three, you know, MVPs, you hear this all the time, you know, just minimal viable product, right? Just create something. When we started, we started out with Launch Rock, which was free. We Threw up a quick little landing page with some information. And, um, you know, we really, really, um, really try to stay as lean as possible. And um, four is add value. Be different. You know, um, if you have competitors, that's okay. That means there's a market for what you're doing. How can you be different? How can you be unique? You know, each and every one of us are unique in our own way. What can you add to it that could um, give it your own spin? Beautiful. Thank you, Toy. Hey, if anybody wants to uh, come check out what you're doing and possibly get a hold of you, where should they go? Um, definitely. Um, you guys could shoot me an email at Dwight at backershub.com. Um, if you're a backer and you're looking for deals, you can sign up at backershub.com. But if you're somebody that has an idea, you know, you, if you ever wanted to launch a Kickstarter campaign, but just don't know how, or if you need a little bit of help, um, we're doing something pretty cool. Uh, most of the times when we work with campaign creators, we're either working with them during their Kickstarter campaign or post Kickstarter campaign, but we're creating something to help people before they launch their campaign, before the clock starts ticking. Um, So we have something called From Zero to Funded. And basically, we're creating a course. Um, It's going to be about four to six months where we're working with a lot of successful Kickstarter campaigns. We're creating an awesome course to really teach people and walk people uh, step by step on what they need to do to launch a campaign. And if you're interested in that, you guys should sign up at signup.backershub.com. And then what's the price point on that? Uh, It's free. Uh, right now, but it's limited seating, but it's really free. We just want to really roll it out, test it out, you know, um, get people's feedback on the course, see how they do. And then once we do that, uh, we could definitely take it from there, whether we decide to monetize it or not. But what we want to do is um, really help entrepreneurs to get a great, uh, a great sense of what Kickstarter can offer and how powerful crowdfunding can be if done properly. Nice. I, that is something I'm, I might potentially get into as well. I know a lot of people have been asking about Kickstarter. Definitely check that out. Sign up dot backershub.com. Correct? Yep. Correct. All right. I'll be heading over there. Might see a Kickstarter campaign for me in the future. Everybody will see. I don't even know what it might be, but that'll be a lot of fun to experiment with, I think. Awesome, man. Uh, 
uh, th- this has been great, Dwight. Thank you so much for all the information, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully connect with you later and see how everything's going. Awesome, man. Pat, this has been two years in the making. I don't know if you remember, but you actually backed my campaign like a couple of years ago, dude. I do remember that. <laughs> so you did, man. So, the, yeah, man. Reach. Oh, if there's one last thing I could tell anybody out there that's listening. Reach out to people, man. If you hear an awesome uh, interview on Pat's podcast, shoot that person an email. You will be surprised. Continue to network. Continue to build relationships. Um, you know, that's why I spent my whole entrepreneur journey doing just reaching out to people that had awesome stories and just seeing what value I could give them and, and what I could learn from them. That's awesome, man. Perfect advice to end the show. Thank you so much, Dwight. No problem, Pat. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dwight Peters, founder of BackersHub.com. Dwight, I know you're listening to this. Uh, Thank you again so much for the inspiration and all the advice that you have for all of us out there starting and working and growing our online businesses. For those of you out there listening, if you want the links and the resources and everything mentioned in this episode, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 117 for the show notes. Of course, if you'd like to leave a comment and just thank Dwight, you can also go to that same link, smartpassiveincome.com slash 117. I also want to thank today's amazing sponsor, which is 99designs.com. If you're dreaming about the perfect logo or website design, but you don't know how to get started or maybe you're worried about your budget, um, seriously, 99designs.com can help. It's the world's largest graphic design marketplace which makes it completely easy for you to get a design that you love. You just go to the website, tell them the designs that you want or what you're kind of looking for. You don't even have to be exact and you pick a price that works for you and that's where all the fun really begins because designers from around the world will submit awesome designs and uh, you will give them feedback and within a week, you'll be able to pick your favorite one from all different styles and designs. Um, It is so cool. I've used it several times in the past for logos, t-shirt designs, even landing page and website designs. Uh, with thousands of designers at your f- fingertips, there's really no limit to what you can get designed. So whatever it is that you need, head on over to 99designs.com slash SPI, and you'll get a $99 power pack of services for free. Again, that's 99designs.com slash SPI. Check it out. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to download the app, for Smart Passive Income to get this podcast, the Ask Pat podcast, and the Smart Passive Income blog content all in one spot for free. This app is completely free. Just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash app. That's A-P-P. That's it. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode. I hope you appreciate the uh, all the work I'm trying to do for you here. Um, just leave comments and, and suggestions. I always love the constructive criticisms. I'm, I'm always looking to improve for you. Just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 117. And uh, also don't forget to thank Dwight. Dwight was an amazing guest today. And uh, yeah, just take care. Keep working hard. Bold actions will take you to where you want to go because if you stay comfortable, if you just keep doing what you're doing, if you just do average work, you're gonna get the same average comfortable results that you've always gotten. Get uncomfortable, take some risks, take action, take bold action, and uh, see you the next episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.
So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.